Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the next episode of the Backstory on the Shroud of Turin. If you haven't already done so, please visit GuyPowell.com and sign up for more episodes. Today, we are talking with Myra Khan Adams, and she is the founder of a major new initiative called the National Shroud of Turin Exhibit. This alone is a reason to visit Washington, D.C., and it promises to really be a bucket list item for Christians and historians alike. I am the author of the newly released number one best-selling book, and here it is. I finally got my own print copy, The Only Witness, A History of the Shroud of Turin. It is a historical fiction tracing a possible yet plausible history of the shroud over the last two millennia. So let's get started. Let me tell you a little bit about Myra. She has been on my show a couple of times. And so it, she's, uh, uh, so most of you already know her, but I'll just give her, a, a, give you a, a, a brief background. She is uh, a, leading a team of national and international Shroud of Turin experts to produce a permanent Shroud exhibit in Washington, D.C., and that alone is uh, just an awesome thing. She's the executive director of signfromgod.org, which is a ministry that began in November 2017 to promote education about the Shroud of Turin. In May 2018, Myra tirelessly spearheaded the effort to convince the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. to host a high-tech exhibit about the Shroud that culminated in the opening of that exhibit in February 2022. So with that, Myra, thank you so much for being here and so glad to have you. So uh, let's get started. So what's going on? You have, uh, you've got so much going on with the Shroud and with the National Shroud of Turin exhibit. Tell us what's going on. Well, Guy, thank you so much for having me and congratulations on your book uh, because your efforts are also compatible with what our organization is doing which is to promote the shroud, interest in the shroud, and education about the facts of the shroud. Not the myth, <laughs> the facts. <laughs> so uh, our group, nationalshroudofturinexhibit.org, uh, our goal is to produce a permanent high-tech shroud exhibit in Washington, D.C. that is going to last, hopefully, forever. And once it gets started, uh, we hope to find major funding that will keep it going in perpetuity. Because as we know, Washington, D.C. is a very unique city. It's a home of many exciting museums. And certainly we think that the Shroud of Turin is worthy of having an exhibit in Washington, D.C. That will, that will interest people who live there, international visitors, uh, political leaders, because there's nothing in the world like the Shroud of Turin and why it is to this day, the most studied artifact in the world. And that will continue until every mystery of the Shroud is solved, which we don't expect is going to happen for a while. As you know, Guy, <laughs> the Shroud is filled with so many fascinating mysteries, which is why People just love the shroud. And once they actually learn about it, it's one of those things where the more you learn, the more you want to learn, and the more you realize there's so much to learn. So yeah, that is uh, going to cover a lot of that. That is so true. And uh, and I, uh, 
I don't hate to say it. I love to say it, that uh, when I got interested in the shroud, the interest in it uh, definitely bit me. And I am now uh, forever hooked and will uh, continue to try and learn more. And, uh, and certainly my book coming out and definitely all of the work that you're doing is so important to uh, educating and help find others that want to learn more about the shroud. Well, we call them shroudies. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not a knock on groupies, but uh, it basically is that people who love the shroud, uh, why not call ourselves groupies and what shroud groupies, but shroudies. And uh, I found that people love that name. We actually uh, kind of tested that one time. And it turns out that uh, people think that name is cute. And, and why not? The shroud can have a fan club. And uh, once I said, once you get interested in it, you can't stop getting interested in it. It's just absolutely fascinating. So what we're doing is, I said, trying to do a permanent exhibit. We have a long way to go. We, the exhibit is not is not there yet. It does not exist yet. But our group does have what we call our first it's a little exhibit. Uh, we have a replica of a life-size replica of the shroud at a very prestigious organization in Washington, DC called the Catholic Information Center. It's at 1501 K Street, Northwest Washington, DC, just two blocks from the White House. And it's part of the Archdiocese of Washington, DC. It's a wonderful place. They have events there all the time. They have mass there every day at, at 12 noon. And they just, in fact, led uh, May 20th. They had a big event that was led by Catholic Information Center, the first Eucharistic procession through the streets of Washington, D.C. And there were over about 500 people there, and it got a lot of press. And, and so CIC is a wonderful organization. And we have our replica there. And we give out a brochure that explains the shroud. We had our first opening event. Uh, March 28th, we had a Supreme Court justice. I will not name who that was, but this is not just keep that quiet. But we did have a Supreme Court justice sitting in the front row. So that was exciting, a Washington kind of thing. Uh, but but the main thing is that it's there for many months, at least six months, uh, maybe even more. And uh, this, the Catholic Information Center loves it being there. And uh, they think it's addition to what they do. So we're honored and thrilled that our first exhibit is at Catholic Information Center, but we hope that eventually we will find the funding and uh, the major donors, especially that want to help us build a permanent exhibit that will just be there forever as part of uh, the panoply of uh, museums that uh, give people reason to come to D.C., yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when one of the things about the exhibit at the Museum of the Bible was that the Shroud exhibit was their most visited exhibit. And I could imagine that now for the Catholic Information Center, it's got to be the same thing in that the popularity of the Shroud is just enormous and the desire for people to want to learn more about it has got to be enormous. That is true. That's why they, they really like having it there. Uh, keep in mind, they're, they're not really a, um, you know, an, a museum. I mean, they are, they're a functioning organization. They have events there all the time. Um, but so we, we're just there. We have a big wall with the exhibit. Um, but it's our, first, it's our first footprint into Washington, D.C. to have actually say, you know, this is what we're doing. We started our organization. And in December, when first on your show, and now, um, you know, six months later, we have made headway. That is, is just astounding. Uh, besides trying to raise money and, and build this exhibit, uh, we're, of course, looking for space. 
but our organization, National Shadow Turin Exhibit, which is a part of signfromgod.org, which is uh, established in 2017, uh, that is an educational mission. And the educational component of what National Shroud of Turin Exhibit is doing, uh, we are finding opportunities that makes us realize that the Lord's hand is, is on us and he's propelling us. Uh, we have three opportunities that are coming up to promote Shroud of Turin education. The first one is this summer. It's in Lisbon, Portugal. It's called World Youth Day. And there will be hundreds of thousands of people there, including the, the Pope. And we will have uh, an educational session there and a, and a presence there and a booth. We'll have a selfie booth where people can take a photo negative with the shroud. Uh, it's all about educating younger people about the shroud. But in World Youth Day is a really huge, huge event. And so the fact that we have a presence there uh, it's um, August, what is it, August 1 through um, one through 6. And uh, two of our organizational uh, team members will be there, Nora Creech and Dr. Cheryl White, as long as one of our associates, uh, Dr. And Father Andrew Dalton, will also be speaking at the event that we will have going on there. Well, uh, I'm, so uh, that's the uh, summer. Yeah, I'm very jealous. Uh, I'd love, I haven't been to Lisbon and then to do something like that and be present with uh, a couple of hundred thousand people and youth. Uh, that is awesome. That's yes, really good. Kudos to you. 400,000 have already registered. So mm. uh, it's going to be a huge national event that we'll get a lot of international press. Um, the second event that we're doing is at the beginning of 2024. It's with the Fellowship of, uh, of Catholic University students called uh, FOCUS. They have an annual conference called the SEEK Focus, S-E-E-K, that will be at the beginning of January in St. Louis. Uh, we're going to have a presence there. We're going to have a speaker. So again, National Shadow Turin Exhibit is getting its name out, uh, particularly with younger people, because the focus, of course, as we know, is to educate the future. And the, the young people are the future and to educate them about the shroud. So interest in the shroud will continue for many, many decades to the end of time, hopefully. Uh, so that opportunity to partner with Focus and to have a presence at the SEEK um, conference, that's, that's a huge thing for us. I give Nora Creech, one of our team members who you happen to know, all the credit. She's the one that's, that's helped arrange all these things. We've had benefactors that are that are helping make it happen. But the fact that National Shroud of Turin exhibit is going to be a permanent exhibit in DC, but at the same time, have all these other activities that we're gonna be engaged in uh, before we even have our permanent exhibit. We have to get our name out and get our mission out about what we're doing because education is our mission as well, on-site and obviously off-site. Uh, but finally, the other huge thing that's gonna happen in 2024 is the, it's called the National Eucharistic Congress. And that will take place in Indianapolis, Indiana in July. And the dates are um, July 17th through 21st in 2024. And um, there will be at least 80,000 people there. Uh, and that, that's a big celebration of evangelism uh, for, for the Catholic community. But it will be a huge event in the Catholic world. So we'll exhibit there, booth there, exhibit with speakers. Mm. So the, those three events, the fact that our our organizations involved with those three events that are very significant in the Catholic infrastructure uh, is just really great. But I do have to comment one thing. The shroud is not 
just for Catholics. Catholics tend to be very interested in the Shroud. As a group, they're probably more interested than, than other groups. But the Shroud itself is not Catholic by definition because Jesus is not Catholic by definition. Jesus is for everybody. So I just thought I'd Well, Jesus that. was Jewish, so uh, yes, Jesus he's for Jewish. all of us, uh, that's for sure. And I'm a Protestant, and, uh, and yet I've been bitten. And I, I don't know, I think the uh to your point the interest in the protestant community is is i think it's exploding just like mm -hmm. uh, the catholic community as well it's exploding but i think the the protestant community is growing and growing even maybe even faster because it is so significant and the uh and it is so uh you know mysterious there are so many mysteries around it and once you start to ask one question then it uncovers another thousand questions that is really true. And I think that has to do with, as time goes on, the farther we get away from the 1988 carbon dating, mm -hmm. which put a huge kibosh. I mean, Barry Schwartz, who runs Shroud.com, will tell you how when that came out in 1988, it just put a complete kibosh on interest in the Shroud. All of a sudden, the Shroud got labeled as a medieval forgery. End of story. Everyone go home. Even though the STIRP, Shroud of Turin Research Project, had come up with just amazing discoveries, of course, their their bumper sticker line was, this is not the product of an artist, but, and that and they did their report in 1981, and the Shroud exploded after that, but then 1988, when the uh, carbon dating mm. was so completely flawed and botched, and, but it got that, again, bumper sticker, uh, this is a medieval forgery, nothing to see, folks everyone go home and that really hurt the shroud it hurt research it hurt interest yep. it hurt it hurt the shroud so badly for so many decades and now the further we get away from that and is how many times particularly kristen um, tressa bianca and the research that he did um completely negating that this that that the 1988 conclusion that it was dated between 1260 and 1990 was just absurd and now we have an, a renewed interest in it because people are realizing the mysteries are just unexplainable and it makes no sense that a medieval artist would be able to mm. produce something an unnamed medieval artist who only did one piece of art that defied logic uh, so you add it all up and I believe that's why, over time, uh, the shroud is coming into into this Renaissance period. Yeah, I, I think you're so right, and I think the um, you know, and again, the more that you understand it, and the more that you try and learn from the mysteries that are surrounding it, the more you'll realize that that uh, radiocarbon dating, the 1988 radiocarbon dating, really was a uh, you know, they use the, they use the words, they faked it and flogged it because they thought it was a medieval forgery or that was their conclusion. And yet they're the ones that faked it and flogged their conclusions. And, and as you mentioned, Tristan uh, Casabianca, he's the one that really proved that they faked it and flogged their results. And uh, to your point as well, you know, when you talk about, when you talk to Barry with shroud.com and some of the other uh, lists and email newsletters that go out, they are exploding with new content and videos and papers and books and, and whatever. So it's, you're, you are so right. The, the interest overall 
in the shroud is really taking on a whole new meaning and a whole new uh, uh, level of uh, level of, uh, of of activity. Right, and there's two there's two parts of it that I think also are really important. One, it's not just for Catholics, and two, it's not just for Easter. Okay, uh, Jesus is all year round. He's twenty four seven in the world, in our and in our lives, and in our hearts, and our in our souls. Uh, so the shroud also should be discussed every day of the year, and thought about, and learned about, and and contemplated every day of the year. Uh, and then, of course, the you said about the Catholics. Uh, it's certainly Catholics mm. have a great interest in it, but uh, I have also been on many Protestant uh, radio shows or podcasts. TV shows um, talking about the shroud. So there is definitely a huge interest that is non-Catholic interest. And we hope to capitalize on all of that uh, when we have our exhibit in Washington, D.C. And one of, the, in fact, our working title for the exhibit is um, Shroud of Turin, uh, the World's Greatest Mystery. Mm. And we'd like to make it as non-denominational as possible obviously we will probably have a lot of catholic donors but we hope to also have some non-catholic donors too but if it's going to be successful in washington dc it has to be non-denominational and of course it's going to talk about the gospels and talk about the burial practices and talk about all the suffering jesus went through so it can't help but talk about jesus uh but it's not going to have a slant uh, one way or another in terms of its labeling. Um, but I say that now, but if we end up being totally funded by Catholics, it, it probably will have more of a Catholic slant to it. But uh, I just think if it's going to be really successful, we need to have it be non-denominational mm. as, as much as possible just to uh, achieve the objective of Shroud of Turin education. And yeah. Keep those mysteries front and mind and have people walk away and say wow <laughs> that is amazing i'm going to start thinking about jesus a little bit more now <laughs> than i ever did before and that's really what we want people to to take away yeah. with and and to decide themselves whether or not quote unquote the man of the shroud is jesus i mean we're not going to come out and say it's jesus uh they have to decide that for themselves and that's centered around the question that, that famous question that's always asked when you see the holy face, who do you say that I am? Um, I, I love that question. Yeah, no, and I think I think you're right. I think, um, you know, obviously, uh, there, I mean, the shroud itself is it's owned by the Catholic Church and the Pope. But if you can reach out to a non-Catholic audience, not only a Protestant audience, but even a uh, a non-Christian audience and potentially even bring some others to to Christ, through the shroud in any way uh, that's uh, and that's one of my missions for my book as well is I just want to convert one person and if I can do that then my book will have been a success and and so for you as well it's uh, you know not only to bring the shroud but bring Christianity and the love of Christ to uh, you know to people that actually uh, view it and then realize that there's something more to this than uh, than meets the eye so when you're when you have your exhibit what do you see? What do you want people to come away with? What What is the one big thing that you want them to come away with when they finally, um, uh, you know, when they're finally done with the exhibit? Well, we want them to seek more information 
and to educate themselves about um, what the shroud is, what the mysteries are, why the mysteries are, are unexplained. Um, we, I guess it's just a matter of, it, it, it's hard to say a, a blanket what we want people to come away with. It's, it's going to depend on what they walk in there with. Mm. You know, do they do they already believe in Christ? Are they atheists? Uh, do they hate the Catholic Church? I mean, <laughs> you just don't know um, what they walk in there with. But when they walk out, uh, we just want people in general just to start their own seeking of information and education about what they saw. We just want them to be excited about what they saw and just and just really enthusiastic about finding out more because that's as we know that's what mm. happens we do know that happens people learn about it initially and then they're like wow i need to learn more about this um so that's that's really the objective i mean whether or not we convert people to to loving christ um it's an individual it's, it's just an individual uh situation but the main thing is that we just want to present facts and the mystery is, and stick to as many facts as we can and just have people just walk away and say, wow, what else could this possibly be mm. if not who, you know, most people believe that believe in the shroud, believe it is the man of the shroud is Jesus. And have people walk away and say, what else could this be besides that without actually coming out and saying it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, and I agree with that. And that makes that makes so much sense. Um, uh, you know, because if you start to learn more about the shroud, then you are going to learn more about Christ and the Bible and, and what have you. And you don't have to do it in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an evangelical or proselytizing way. It's really and I, that's why I like your title as well as, uh, you know, what is this mystery? And get people to even start to really think about what that what that mystery is and what it can mean. Right. Because when you say try to turn world's greatest mystery, you know, that's that's a pretty heavy duty title. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there could be other great mysteries of the world, but I believe and a lot of my folks believe it is the world's greatest mystery uh, because it's about who we believe mm. is, is, is pictured on that uh, that image of that man. We believe he is, in fact, Christ, but not everyone believes that. And, and certainly um, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but but we all know that uh, when you by process of elimination, we know it's a crucified man. <laughs> we know he was in his early 30s. We we know that he suffered terribly, and and just coincidentally, all the marks of torture on his body just happen to mirror the Gospels. Uh, <laughs> there's there's so much coincidence here, and the fact that this is always one of my great things that I hopefully will bring this out in the exhibit. The fact that the Shroud of Turin still exists to me is also, it really points to world's greatest mystery. How could this thing have survived all the fires and wars and hatred? And, and I mean, just give you one little example, which I just love. You know how when you look at the Shroud, the marks that it looks like the Japanese art origami those marks that are that run parallel to the, mm -hmm. the image of the man and people think that's part of the shroud 
but those marks were left over from a fire in 1532 and drops of molten silver fell on the shroud. It was folded up in 48 layers. Imagine the shroud folded up in 48 layers. The shroud is 14, over 14 feet long, three feet wide. So this is 48 layers folded up in a, in a silver recordly, in a silver box and little molten drops of silver hit the edges of that 48 layers. And, and the fact that that molten silver, you think about how many thousands of degrees is molten silver. And the fact that it did, just didn't go poof. Now that is a miracle. The fact it only just hit the edges there and created that origami looking, those designs that are part of the shroud to this day. Um, and apparently in the 1500s when that happened, people started thinking that this in fact had to be what many believed it was because why would it have not have just gone poof? Mm. Something that hot could have just, it should have, by all means, it should have just destroyed it right there. There's so yeah, many absolutely. of those kind of mysteries, but yep. why does it still exist? Yeah, it, yeah. That sounds like a panel in your uh, in your new exhibit coming up is, uh, how did it survive the Chambury fire? <laughs> hey, Guy Powell here. Just wanted to uh, cut in a second. Um, we're going to take a short break on this uh, video interview with Myra Khan Adams on the backstory of the Shroud of Turin. We'll pick up the second half in about a week. Uh, and uh, please look out for the second half. Otherwise, we're going to take a short break now. Thank you.